this is Jesus, born into poverty in an insignificant corner of a conquered nation. This is Jesus, a traveling preacher, a homeless outcast called crazy and possessed. This is Jesus, another hopeless rebel, mocked and beaten, hung on a cross to die. This is Jesus, another lifeless body, stuffed into a borrowed tomb, soon to be forgotten. Is this really Jesus? Wake up. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. This is Jesus, sent by the Father to be crushed for the sins of the world. This is Jesus, declaring to all he would be killed and then raised to life on the third day. This is Jesus, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. This is Jesus, a missing body from an empty tomb on a Sunday morning. This is Jesus, the image of invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the Lamb of God, the light of the world. This is Jesus, Savior, Lord, King, Alpha, Omega, Creator, Redeemer, friend to sinners, hope of nations, the Messiah. This is Jesus, the resurrection and the life for all who trust in him. Wake up, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. This is Jesus. Well, good morning, happy Easter. If you will get up on your feet and worship it with us this morning.
glorious day. So glad to be with you here this morning at Airline Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Clint, one of the pastors here, and and I just, it's, it is a glorious day. Thank you guys for leading us, and we're going to continue some more worship because it is a day to celebrate, as is all days if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And my prayer here this morning is if you're in this house, the Lord's house, and you've never experienced that glorious day, if you haven't stepped from death to life, from darkness to light, that that happens here this morning. Because when I was reading early this morning in Matthew 28, verse 6, it said, He is not here. For he is risen just as he said, and he did that so that we can defeat death as well. So we're so excited that you're here. We're going to continue in worship. I'm going to pray first, and let's just keep celebrating a risen Savior this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. Lord, let us come to you this morning with, with hearts wide open. God, so that you will work in our lives like only you can. So that your spirit moves within this house, this building, your house, like it's never moved before. As we continue through song and, and scripture reading and the priest word of God, God, we pray that you move and, and that the people in this room today will be so excited about what you came to do. And you came to this earth for a purpose, and that's to die for the sins of the world. But God, as that Friday happened, we're so thankful this Sunday came. God, and we celebrate that today. Be with us as we continue in worship. God, we love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth? to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God.
you for loving us. Thank you for paying, getting on the cross for our sins, Lord. Your blood still runs warm today, still runs for us today. Lord, we thank you that you saw fit for us, full of sin, full of shame. Lord, you got on the cross for us. You hung your head and died. There's not enough words to say thank you. Lord, as the song says, Lord, we just throw up our hands. Because, Lord, we've run out of things to say. We've run out of words to just give back to you, Lord. Sometimes we just cry at how good you are. Lord, that we can stand here and celebrate today still, brothers and sisters in Christ locking arms for your resurrection. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for this time of worship as we go into this message. Lord, have your way. Speak through Pastor Zach this morning, Father. As we leave from here, let us not forget. Let us not grow tired. Let us not grow weary. Father, you are so good. We thank you so much. And Lord, we give it all back to you this morning. And everybody said, amen. Just to echo what's already been said, so good to see you here on this Easter morning. Such a great day for us to gather together and to worship a Savior who, just as we shared at sunrise, we worship a Savior today who is not in the tomb but is alive and well. That Christ who resurrected from the tomb came out of the grave alive and well is still alive and well today. So you may have noticed just kind of over the past few weeks as we've been talking about Easter, really kind of our our theme has centered around come and see. Come and see. And we're going to see this in just a moment. But I absolutely love that phrase that's given, come and see. Because it, it, it implies a sense of movement, that I'm moving towards something. That if my wife were to ask me to come here, probably because I messed something up in the kitchen. If she were to say, come here, it would imply I need to be moving in that direction. Same thing that we see with come and see, that there's some, a sense of movement but not only that, it's a, to see it, to perceive it, to lay my eyes upon it. And that this is the invitation that we see here at the resurrection. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in a few places. I'll get to that in just a moment. Matthew 28 is where we will start and finish this morning. 
Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6 is where we'll start looking. Says this, now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, just as we saw this morning in Luke's gospel, they are showing up expecting a dead Jesus. They're showing up. They are beginning to prepare the body. They're going to start the embalming process. And so they are expecting to show up to the tomb and find a dead Jesus. So it says they went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I just want to pause here for just a moment. This is not some stealthy operation to secretly remove the dead body of Jesus. God in his infinite power decided to make as big a scene as possible. So what does he do? He sends an earthquake, he sends lightning, he rolls the stone away, and an angel comes and sits on the stone. And these Roman guards who were hardened military men, They've seen battles, they've seen fights, they've seen war. And yet they lay eyes upon this situation. They said, you know what? It's better to play dead right now. Make no mistake, God is sending a message. It says, but the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know you, that you seek Jesus who was crucified he is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where he lay. So here in verse 6, we have the invitation to come and see. I know you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. Now, it would have been a terrible time to stop that sentence. He's not here. Well, did someone take him? What's happened to Jesus? But no, he's not here. Why is Jesus not here in the tomb where we left him? Because he is risen. And then we see the invitation to come and see Literally, the angel looking at the women at the tomb says, come on in here. I want you to see this with your very eyes. Come and see. And I'll be honest, a couple weeks ago, my, my, my plan was just to preach this text. But as I was just kind of been studying and preparing, I, just, I was just curious one day of all the other occurrences in the Gospels where we see this invitation to come and see. So we see three other instances in the Gospels, and all of them involve Jesus. And so we're going to look at those and then come back to Matthew 28 at the very end. But we see this invitation to come and see three other times. First is in John 1. 
John 1. I'll have it on the screen. John 1. And what we see here in John 1 is to come and see a king of unlikely beginnings. Come and see a king of unlikely beginnings. In John 1, we have this beautiful prologue that talks about how the son has eternally existed and how the son came, became incarnate. And then by the time we get to this, Jesus has already been baptized and he's calling his disciples to follow after him. So John 1, looking at verse 43 so the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So as Jesus is calling his disciples to follow after him, he calls Philip and Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, we have found him. Now I always find that language kind of interesting to talk about finding Jesus as though Jesus was hiding somewhere. Jesus isn't playing a game of hide and seek. We said, we found him. We found the one that Moses was writing about in the law. We found the one that the prophets were speaking about. We found the one that the scriptures were pointing us forward to. We found him. Notice Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like you're, you're talking about this Messiah that the scripture was pointing forward to. And I was tracking with you until you said Nazareth. It would be like asking the question, can anything good come out of Gillsville? I'm just kidding. No shots fired at Gillsville. If you're from Gillsville, I apologize. I have a very small sample size to base my Gillsville judgments on. But it's, it's Nazareth. Nazareth had a reputation of just kind of being this little podunk area on the other side of the tracks. You don't associate with people from Nazareth? And now all of a sudden you're telling me this Jesus, this Messiah has come and he's from Nazareth. And look at Philip's response. Philip said to him, come and see. Surely you can't mean Nazareth. Come and see. Come and see this king who is from Nazareth. Come and see. See, I absolutely love this because think about what Philip's apologetic argument is. He does not turn to Nathaniel and give him 75 proof texts from the Old Testament about Jesus. He simply looks at Nathaniel and says, come and see. You know what we need more of? is the simple invitation to come and see the king. That's all Philip does here. 
That no, Jesus does not fit your preconceived notions about where the Messiah was going to come from or what the Messiah was going to look like. That this king has come from unlikely backgrounds. But why don't you just come and see the king? And we would read a little bit further, but it says Nathaniel goes, he finds him, and he has this conversation, and he bends the knee and recognizes him as the king. He's a king from unlikely beginnings. Come and see. But then in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, a couple pages over, one page over, depending on how large your print is. We have the invitation to come and see a king of unfathomable worship or mercy. Come and see a king of unfathomable, unfathomable mercy. That's a hard one to say. He's beyond comprehension in his mercy. We know this story well. We have the Samaritan woman who has gone out to go draw water out of the well. And she has this encounter with Jesus. And I absolutely love the encounter that takes place because Jesus offers this woman water that does not run dry. She offer, he offers her water that, that she can drink and never be thirsty again. And she says, where can I get a drink of this water? And Jesus tells her, he's the living water. But then they have this conversation where Jesus turns and looks at her and says, go, go invite your husband. And Jesus, knowing what he was doing, she says, well, I don't have a husband, and Jesus calls her out on it. He says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the one that you're living with isn't your husband. Talk about an uh-oh moment. Here Jesus is calling this woman out on her sin. But she has this realization moment. She says, she says essentially that we would see the Messiah and Jesus ends that sentence by saying, I'm standing right in front of you. Which brings us to our text here in John 4, verses 27 through 30. And so it says, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Just think about how crazy this is for just a moment. Like here, Jesus just called this woman out on her sin. And yet, in a realization of how immense the mercy of Christ is, she leaves town and says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Like that's dirty laundry. You don't air dirty laundry, right? Like you're not supposed to talk about that stuff. 
And yet, this encounter with Jesus, when she begins to understand the mercy of Jesus, she understands that the mercy of Christ is far greater than any sin, shame, or baggage she had previously. Which is what allows her to go, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Why? Because she experienced mercy. She experienced grace. She found out that her past and her sin and her shame was not a greater obstacle than the mercy of Christ. I want you to hear me this morning. The same is true of you and I today. That you may be sitting here going, Pastor Zach, that's great to hear, but you don't know my past. You don't know the stuff that I came in here with. You don't know the baggage that I came in here with. And let me just tell you something. Come and see the king. Come and see the king of this mercy and grace that are beyond the bounds of our comprehension. Come and see the king who pours out mercy in such a way that it doesn't even register on our minds. Come and see the king. You know what our reaction to seeing the king should be? Just like this woman at the well. We leave here going, hey, you, you want to see the king? You want to see the king? that met me at the well, told me all that I ever did, and yet loved me anyway. Come see the king. But then third, in John chapter 11, we have the invitation to come and see a king of unmatched power, to come and see a king of unmatched power. We all know the story in John 11, we have the death of Lazarus. And Lazarus had grown sick and they get word to Jesus, Jesus, you need to come and heal Lazarus. And what does Jesus do? He says, I think I'm gonna wait three days. Lazarus dies. Everyone's distraught. And even Mary asked Jesus the question, why weren't you here? If you would have just been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have just been present, this wouldn't have happened. And we come to verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. 
Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Talk about heartbreak. Jesus finally shows up on the scene. Jesus is finally there. He's three days late, but he's finally there. And Mary, seeing it, just goes, Jesus, if you would have just been here, if you would have just done something, my brother wouldn't be dead. If we're honest, we've probably all gone through seasons like that in life. Like we've all gone through heartaches and heartbreaks where we've said, God, if you would have just been done something, this wouldn't have happened. God, if you would have just done something different, this wouldn't have happened. God, if you would have just showed up in some way, this wouldn't have happened. But we keep reading, and it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Notice it's a little bit different invitation now. The previous two invitations we, look, we have looked at have been for us to come and see Jesus. But now the invitation is for Jesus to come and see. The invitation to invite Jesus into the brokenness, to invite Jesus into the areas that are broken, to invite Jesus into those dark and trying times. Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have also kept this man from dying? Just as a side note, Jesus knows very well how this story is going to end. But yet he still sympathizes with his people. So he weeps. And even those outsiders sitting there saying, we, we've seen this man healed the blind. Surely if he would have been there, surely if he would have just been present, this would not have happened. And we know how the story ends that Jesus goes to the tomb, he asks him to roll the stone away, and he simply calls Lazarus out. Lazarus, come forth! And what happens? Lazarus comes out. Who else can do that? Who else can look at the dead and say, come to life? Only Jesus. That is unmatched power that only Jesus can look at the dead and call it back to life. But I want you to notice this, that it happens. 
because Jesus is invited into the brokenness. Mary does not ask Jesus to resurrect Lazarus. Mary is convinced the situation is done. The situation is over. She is convinced her brother is dead. And she's not even praying for this. She doesn't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you resurrect Lazarus? She just simply invites Jesus in. And Jesus goes, let me take it from here. And what does Jesus do? He brings the dead back to life. So the invitation is to come and see a king of unmatched power. That you and I go, Jesus, would you come in this place? Jesus, I'm in a situation right now that's dark and it's difficult and it's trying. And really, Jesus, at this point, I don't even know what to pray for. Would you just come in here and let the king of unmatched power take over? We see an invitation to come and see a king of unmatched power. But then lastly, going back to Matthew 28, pick up where we started. We see the invitation to come and see a king. Let's see if I can say it this time. Of unconquerable reign. There we go. The king of unconquerable reign. Matthew 28, we see in chapter 27, the crucifixion of Christ. The Christ is crucified and is placed in a tomb. Surely this Jesus thing is over. Surely this Jesus movement is done. Surely this Jesus kingdom has breathed its last breath. The Messiah has been crucified. Surely it's done. And just as we've already read, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Story's not over. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. The story wasn't finished. The kingdom wasn't done. The reign wasn't over. Satan did not have the last victory. Satan did not have the last word or the last laugh. He was not conquered. He was not finished. And there's an empty tomb that proves it. That the reign of Christ was not conquered. The king was not finished. Come and see the king. 
So they're invited in to come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they will see me. So the invitation was to come and see. But I love what Jesus says next, or what the angel says next. That these women are invited into the tomb to come and see that it's empty. But what are they then commanded to do? To go and tell. But there's a very specific audience there to go and tell. This isn't the Great Commission yet. They're told to go and tell the disciples. They're told to go and tell the ones that should have known this. They should have known. They should have remembered Jesus talking about in three days he would be resurrected. They should have been there the first in line Sunday morning. But yet they weren't. So they're told, these women are told to go and tell the disciples. Listen, I want you to hear me this morning, church. You and I can very easily slip into living in such a way, to working in such a way, to even worshiping in such a way as though Jesus is still in the tomb. We can engage in missions in such a way that Jesus is still in the tomb. We can go about our Bible study in such a way that Jesus is still in the tomb. And you and I need to be reminded day in and day out that we do not worship a dead Savior. That we do not go before the Father with a dead Christ. We do not worship a king that's in a power struggle because he's dead. We worship a king who is alive and well to do it today, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. His reign has not stopped. His reign has not been conquered, but he's firmly seated as king of kings and lord of lords. We need to be reminded of that day in and day out. That's why we gather together. That when we gather together next Sunday, we're still worshiping a resurrected king. When we gather together the next Sunday, we're still worshiping a resurrected king. I love Easter. I love Resurrection Sunday. I love everybody looking nice and cleaned up, and I actually have a jacket on, and all of a sudden I'm sweating up here now.
But church, next Sunday, he's still resurrected. He's still an unconquerable reign next Sunday. And the Sunday after that, and next year, and in 10 years, and in 20 years, he's still an unconquered king. So the invitation is to come and see this king who's unconquered. Come and see. This brings us to our central idea today. Simple thought. The beauty of Easter morning is the invitation to come and see the king who leaves an empty tomb. That's the beauty. That yes, we worship a king that leaves the empty tomb, but that you and I are invited to come and see the king. So as the band comes back to the stage, the invitation to come and see. That's the invitation that exists for all of us today to come and see the king. That you may be sitting here today and you're going, Pastor, that sounds great, but how am I supposed to come see the king? You gotta understand, I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody. Jesus was from Nazareth. Pastor, how am I supposed to come see the king? You don't understand. I've got too much baggage in my life to come see the king. His mercy is far greater. Pastor, I want to see the king, but I've just got this mountain that's in my life, and I've got this situation that's in my life. Come see the king with unmatched power. Pastor, things are just crazy. Come see the king of an unconquered reign. See, I don't know where you're, I know we got a lot of visitors here today. But I believe the invitation is for all of us. You may be sitting here today, you don't know Jesus. You just may happen to come in here because you came with some family. What better day than today to come see the king for the first time? I'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. Mike would be more than happy. Clint would be more than happy. If you were just sitting here today and you say, I don't know the king, let us talk to you about that. But maybe you're sitting here today and you're a believer. You're following after Jesus. But you're following after a Jesus that isn't actually the king that we've talked about. My invitation to you is to come see the king who is actually the king. So no matter where you are today, the invitation is simple. Come see the king. 
So just a moment, the band's going to play. If you need to come pray, this altar's open. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing to the side. Pastor Mike and Pastor Clint will be available on either side as well. Let us come see the King. Let's pray. Father God, we give you this time. We love you. We praise you. God, thank you for the opportunity to worship you and make much of you. God, help us now to come see the king who leaves behind an empty tomb that we may come. Let us come and see today. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we respond today.
Till that stone was moved for good For the Lamb that conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was Let's celebrate that right there for sure. My goodness, you can have a seat real quick before I stand you right back up. Uh, what a day to be in the Lord's house. Uh, we're thankful that you came today to see. But the beautiful thing is, Pastor Zach has already said, this, is, this isn't something we just celebrate today. I'm so thankful that each and every morning I get to go and spend time with a risen Savior. And I hope you can say the same thing. If not, well, again, service is about to end, but the Spirit continues to move, and I'm thankful for that. Pastor Zach will be out front as we dismiss. Uh, Pastor Mike, I'm here. Pastor Taylor's here. We'd love to talk with you if you have some more questions. If you're a visitor here, there's a Connect card right in the pew in front of you. We'd love for you to fill that out. You can hand it to one of us. It's real simple, real quick. We won't be knocking on your door tonight, uh, but... Uh, Maybe sometime. No, I'm just kidding. Fill that out. We'd love to get in touch with you. We'd love uh, to worship with you as what God is doing right here. Also, if you're a visitor, uh, again, we're so thankful that you're here. If you can fill that Connect card out. But then this week, starting around 6.15, 6.30, there's services here on this campus from birth all the way to us older people. So uh, please come and be a part of that. And then even next week, Pastor Zach will be back. Our services will start at 10.30 next Sunday with life groups starting at 9.15. We'd love for you to come back as Pastor Zach's going to launch into two or three weeks of talking about what Easter means beyond that day. And I want to encourage you to come be a part of that. So I'm going to say a quick prayer. 
I say every time I say a quick prayer, Mike, I pray too long. So we're going to pray, and, uh, and you'll be dismissed. So let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you again for letting us <laughs> just be, a, be, be the object of your love through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I'm thankful those many years ago that I came and I saw and you radically changed my life after a face-to-face -face encounter with your son, Jesus Christ. So God, each and every day, I wanna grow more like you. God, and that's my prayer. We have staff meeting Thursday. That's the prayer that those here today would see the importance of coming and see just who you are and who you wanna be in their lives. So God, I pray that over everyone in this room Pray that we have a great time as we walk out these doors and spend the today continuing to celebrate with family over meals and, and those things. But God, most importantly, let us never lose sight of the importance of celebrating you. Each and every day, we can celebrate you, a risen Savior. We thank you. Be with everyone. Watch over, protect. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.